the best motion picture of the year. It all comes down to these five wonderful films. And the winner is... Wow. Limp Bizkit! There's some hard competition right there, considering uh, we've just been uh, relaxing for a little bit. It's all about y'all and the fans, and uh, we're coming back with a vengeance this year. And uh, just keep it OG, you know? Keep it uh, original, people. violence in movies to higher levels of aggression and violent behavior. Recognizing that many children love violent movies. So motherfuckers are always trying to pay scale. Take a look around! Dodge this. Welcome back to Take a Look Around, the podcast at the intersection of new metal. My name is Spooky Sean Campion, and as always, I'm joined by my faithful co-host there's not 13 of them he's one of a kind it's alistair b-man bates how are you batesy good sean but i'm a little terrified by these 13 ghosts and thank you for that lovely introduction i'd say i'd say i'm not even one of a kind i'm half of a kind uh but you've been well i i assume i i've been well i've been well and i i'm inclined to agree with you al too many ghosts. Yeah. Too many ghosts. I would have settled for one ghost. Possibly even two ghosts. Three ghosts is starting to get my goat. But uh, <laughs> 13 ghosts. Oh, boy. I need to write a letter to the editor. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're well. And speaking of well, this takes us to breaking news. What is this garbage you're watching? I want to watch the news. Are you making headways? This is the news. So, this... Is just coming in as we speak right now. Right Surge over the wire. <laughs> right over the wire. System of a down vocalist Serge Tankanian has fallen down a well. <laughs> uh, um, we have no new metal news this week. Sorry. <laughs> I really thought that maybe we could get like, I don't know, even 30 seconds and we just broke character immediately. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of Serge Tankadian falling down a well is so funny to me. Yeah, I'm just imagining him like doing aerials, but it's like, Ariel! Like, <laughs> with, you know, like the Doppler the effect or whatever it's called. <laughs> is that what the Doppler effect was? I think so. I think that's like the the, the thing... Where like if you hear somebody on a roller coaster and it sounds like they're going a different pitch, they're actually probably going the same pitch and it's just the distance. Fucking fancy ass term. I'm just gonna call it an echo. Yeah, it's some weird, um, weird, weird mathematical thing. And of course, me being the math genius and creator of the PF score. Uh, <laughs> How's that going, by the way? Are you any closer to being peer reviewed? Well, I mean, I have. Uh, I, I published the paper, and by published, I mean I sent it to you. And <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'll write that down on my list. That's something else I could do this week. Uh, Number but... one, find a way to close out this bit that's been going for 11 weeks. <laughs> oh, no, that'll never happen. Talking about things that'll never happen, uh, let's talk about a movie I might never watch again, 13 Ghosts. Hey! Oh! 
So 13 Ghosts is the second iteration of the Dark Castle Pictures banner. We've previously talked about Dark was Castle Gothica Pictures. Was Gothica the first one? No, uh, the first one was House on Haunted Hill. We've somehow managed to do them all in reverse. So uh, we'll get to House on Haunted Hill eventually. But uh, the other Dark Castle Pictures production was Ghost Ship, which was also directed by Steve Beck. Now, Dark Castle Pictures got their start as Warner Brothers really digging... Oh, actually, no, there's another one. They also did... um, Ha- uh, what is it? Uh, House of Wax. Right. There we Welcome go. Welcome to okay. the House of House Wax. House of Wax. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dark Castle Pictures uh, was a production crew led by The Matrix's Joel Silver and Back to the Future's Robert Zemeckis using the existing rights for old Warner Brothers films, particularly ones by Gimmick Maestro and uh, master of the dark art of horror, William Castle, a really clownish, ridiculous B-movie horror movie maker from the 1950s. Oh, wait, this isn't a bit? No, this, this is guy's real. actually called William Castle? Yeah, and so it's Dark Castle. <laughs> you, you probably, like, ha- if you haven't heard of William Castle, you're probably aware of his, like, influence he was famous for things like putting joy buzzers underneath chairs that would go off at random times during the movies he would stage people having a heart attack during premieres to generate newspaper buzz he was like he was the big (laughs) gimmick guy Sure, okay, so we owe him for 4D cinema, is that what you're saying? <laughs> we, uh, there is a direct straight line between William Castle and Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> is Avatar still the highest grossing film of all time? Uh, I think it is again because James Cameron re-released it in China for like the 10 year anniversary or something. Because, uh, do you know the whole thing? I can't, I'll, I'll try and find the article and we can post it up. But there was, after Avatar came out, I think there was a two year period where people in China were just killing themselves because they were like, we will never get to go to the beautiful Avatar planet. Wow. It became like this weird, like mass delirium kind of thing. Oh, I have heard about this. Yeah. It's like the, what's it called? French syndrome or whatever it is when Japanese... Oh, Paris syndrome. Paris syndrome, go to Japan and it's nothing like their idealized thing and they just go absolutely fucking burko. Man, I'd go absolutely fucking burko if I had to go to Paris as well. It sucks there. (laughs) Yeah, I I have no interest in uh, going anywhere in that union. The European... I guess you could say I'm (laughs) Eurosceptic. We need a Brexit, but from Sydney to European Union... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So William Castle, hey? So the specific gimmick that was used, the original 13 Ghosts, was something called Illusionovision. Come in, William Castle, the producer of this motion picture, has a question for you. Do you believe in ghosts? Some people believe in them, others do not. Personally, I do. And I feel sure that when you leave this theater, you too will believe in ghosts. When you came in, you were given a special ghost viewer like this. You must only use it when the screen changes to this kind of a bluish color. 
then you raise the viewer to your eyes and you look at the screen through it. If you believe in ghosts, you look through the red part of the viewer. If you do not believe in ghosts, you look through the blue part. Happy haunting. Goodbye for now. Shall we go? Two different versions of the film were played over each other, one with a blue tint where the ghosts weren't on camera and one with a red tint where the ghosts were and you were given two sets of glasses, a brave glass with the red tint included or a blue glass without the ghosts. So you could watch two different versions of the same movie depending on how scared you were. Kind of like a really crude version of 3D graphics. That's cool. That's a really neat little gimmick. I, so, I did not know about that. Yeah. It shows just how much research you've put in today's episode, Al. <laughs> it's literally like the first bit in the Wikipedia page. <laughs> uh, the, I like sent Sean a message last night being like, I will totally watch this movie by the time we record. And I just slept through all of my arms <laughs> and... We were like, oh no, oh god, I gotta get this done now. <laughs> what the fuck, Tony Shalhoub's in this? <laughs> so that brings oh, us dear. to 2001's 13 Ghosts, directed by Steve Beck. There are ghosts around us all the time. Most of them, they can't hurt us. Most of them don't even want to hurt us. But there are exceptions. Is it bad tonight? Oh, bad is my professional opinion. We should get the hell out of here. Now. I represent the estate of your Uncle Cyrus. We have an Uncle Cyrus? Cyrus recorded this message six weeks ago. He asked it to be played for you in the event of his death. Arthur, I've instructed my lawyer to deliver my last will and testament. A key? A key to what? A key to your new house. This house is the fruit of my life's work. Oh, my God. It is a one-of-a-kind home. It's marvelous, isn't it? Wow! Arthur, we've got some papers to sign in the library. After that, I would love to take you and the family around the tour of the house. This place is awesome! All right, now I know I'm dreaming. Well, your uncle was quite a collector of many things. What the hell was that? This Halloween, you're wasting your time. It's all sealed up. The only thing worse than being trapped in a house with a ghost. This house is not a house. We're in the middle of the machine, powered by the dead. Is being trapped in a house with 13 ghosts. Maggie! What? We got company. Where? I can't see. How close is it? Close enough to hurt you. Go, 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 Get me killed? I guarantee nothing.
Now, the film opens up with this... Uh, it, it's like... Uh, I like this opening, where it, it's kind of <laughs> this, like... I, I feel like I wanted to see more of this kind yeah. of, like, Ghostbusters world, where yeah, yeah. Uh, F. Murray Abraham and Scooby-Doo and Scream and Hacker's Fame, Matthew Lillard, are, like, really, like, nasty, like, mean Scooby-Doo ghost hunters. It, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna go right out the gates straight away and say Matthew Lillard is fucking awesome in this movie. Like, he is yep. definitely one of the things we'll be mentioning later in a beautiful new segment. <laughs> um, but yeah, this sequence rocks, man. Like, the whole bit, they're just in a garage, like a junkyard, and people are just getting fucking owned by ghosts. There's that guy who gets ripped through what like the crack in the 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 front chassis of a car and his blood just sprays everywhere uh it's so cool (laughs) they're trying to track down the juggernaut who is the 12th ghost they are looking to track down not 13 ghosts 12 ghosts f murray abraham of in the name of the king fame (laughs) is uh the u-ball movie is a wealthy wealthy adventurer who's trying to track down this like 12 ghosts to unleash some kind of amazing portal to hell and dennis rathkin matthew lillard's character is his rambunctious generation x sidekick who's also a psychic yes psychic sidekicks say that twice <laughs> say that fast like 10 times psychic sidekick psychic sidekick psychic si- <laughs> this character rules this bit is awesome like it really reminds me of the, the later Nightmare on Elm Street sequences in terms of its, like, like the way it's presented and its fantasticness. Like, right out of the gate, this film has got some, like, amazing production design. Absolutely. And, like, just, like, a sense of, like, like kineticism and movement to him that, like, yeah, is sorely yeah. lacking in a lot of films from this era. Yeah, no, totally. Like, it is... A constantly engaging film. There is just something happening all the fucking time. Like, there's never a lull. Uh, this, as you said, this opening sequence is a fucking perler, which uh, is... And you know what I really love about this film? It, straight from the fucking get-go, just gives you the film's premise and the kind of reality that you're in and you kind of understand... You know, there's logic behind Nothing. it. There is logic behind it, but it throws you right in as where we're not even introduced to these characters or their relationships. They just start yelling at each other. Oh, yeah. This is a cold open. This is... (laughs) Yeah, the credits haven't even started yet. This is the cold open. The credit sequence, however, is absolutely hilarious where it is uh, an empty house full of photos and there's this A... What what do you call it? A&R? No, not A&R. They... They fixed it in post, more or less. Just voiceover of Tony Shalhoub and his wife being like, I love you, sweetie. We're always going to live together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, the house is on fire. Yeah. Where is your mom? Where is she? I don't know where mom is! Oh, 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have to play audio of it. It's fucking so good. Um, it's so stupid. We're then introduced to, as Al said, Hollywood's <laughs> Tony Shalhoub, which, uh, I mean, F. Murray Abraham and uh, Matthew Lillard, not exactly major name brand cast for the year 2001, but really, Tony Shalhoub <laughs> yeah. is the lead in your film? The guy plays... from MIB in Monk? <laughs> <laughs> he plays a widower who uh, is uh, just trying to make ends meet with his uh, family, uh, played by American Pie, Shannon Elizabeth. Always great to see her mm-hmm. here. Oh, yeah. The film debut and final acting role of Buster Rhymes Flip Mode Squad's Raw Digger. Raw Digger, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She plays their nanny. How they manage to afford yeah, a nanny the, on like yeah, exactly. a math teacher's salary? And she's like live in as well. Yeah, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you know, I, these kids are old enough to be like latchkey kids. They don't need a nanny. <laughs> Guess what the age difference between Ra Digger and Shannon Elizabeth is? Mm, like six years. Six months. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> The oh other my kid God. in particular, the youngest son, is uh, he instantly struck a rapport with me because he is wearing a puka shell necklace, uh, recording a primitive podcast onto cassette tapes about local murders in the area, <laughs> and he leaves his razor scooter everywhere. Just I was like, like Sean, <laughs> that's me, baby. I'm that kid. <laughs> Today on Death in America, cancer rates are down. But suicide is sky high. We have a special treat for you today. A body was found this morning. Decolopulated. Hey, hey, hey. Decapitated. <laughs> right down to the puka necklace. <laughs> yeah. So Tony Shalhoub's character, they find out he's inherited his uncle's uh, mansion. Yeah. A lawyer turns up at their door to be like, here is the will that I am going to read to you. The video will is spectacular. He opens up a laptop and like this quick time video plays with this like bizarre like background that's like straight out of an angel file website. <laughs> and F. Murray Abrahams in all like 36 pi- pixel quality tells him that he is the the only living member of the family left and right. as such the fortune is all his. Where this fortune has been the whole time would probably be quite helpful for this uh, widower and this Yeah, I feel like the uncle could have bailed him out, like, way earlier. (laughs) I love that he gets this line, like, he's... uh, We we forgot to mention F. Murray Abraham has been killed by a razor blade or, like, a helicopter blade during the opening sequence. He uh, has this amazing line in the video, Will, where he's like, I've led an interesting life. Uh, (laughs) The only thing I regret is not getting to know my nephew better. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, I mean, if it was weird enough that Shannon Elizabeth and Radiger have got one year of difference between them, not even that... The idea that Tony Shalhoub is F. Murray Abraham's nephew, they look they're like the same age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, why didn't they just, they should have put some streaks of grey in F. Murray's beard or whatever, just to, yeah. 
Look, a lot of things about this movie don't make a lot of sense. At least the casting. And, like, I I was genuinely expecting that we were going to get the, like, classic trope of the house is all yours if you can spend one night in a haunted mansion. Yeah, totally. But then I realized that's just House on Haunted Hill. That's literally the movie that was remade and they used the profits to make this film. (laughs) So we're going to get to that trope pretty soon, gang. (laughs) So basically, uh, it's better than that. The house is just all theirs. So they pack into a car and make their way over where we get the uh, dulcet tones of excess by Tricky (laughs) with uh, backup vocals from Alanis Morissette. There's your new metal, (laughs) people. (laughs) You wanted us to go back to talking about new metal movies? How about Tricky and Alanis Morissette? (laughs) Rap and rock. (laughs) Finally together at last. (laughs) So they get to the mansion itself, and it is a fucking sight to behold, isn't it, Al? Yeah, dude, it looks fucking awesome. It's just a whole bunch of glass walls which uh, have all these crazy kind of writings and scrawlings all over it. It uh, it looks sick. It's this, like, Rubik's Cube that's constantly shifting, isn't it? That's it, yeah, and the glass... As Rod Digger says, uh, Maggie don't do windows. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good little one-liners here, like uh, Shannon Elizabeth gets a, you better hope the bathroom better be in the basement. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was my first thought. I was like, a lot of glass windows. How are they going to deal with this shower situation? Dennis, the old uh, assistant of F. Michael Murray. F. Mike, F. Murray Abraham. Chad Michael Murray Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> Recognizes uh, the scrawlings on all of these glass walls. as uh, we, we should back up spells. a sec. Um, oh, sorry. Matthew Lillard has, uh, has snuck in with them in the, the greasy lawyer. Uh, under the pretense of being a, a power company guy who's there to, like, fix the circuit breakers. First of all, I work for the power company, baby. We don't fix circuit breakers. Myth busted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's so fake. <laughs> <laughs> Took me right out of the whole movie, bro. <laughs> yeah, it turns out these crazy... In- uh, scrawlings on the walls are actually Latin incantations that are to trigger ghosts, uh, to to release. Uh, no, they're not there to, to keep ghosts. Yeah, in. that's what I meant. <laughs> Complete opposite. <laughs> Dennis explains that he and Cyrus captured these ghosts and imprisoned them in this house with the spells. This is kind of when everything starts going pear shaped. I love that. <laughs> Matthew Lillard is just like, I haven't exactly been clear with you. I don't work for the power company. I used to work with your uncle chasing, uh, how you say, spectral energy. (laughs) Everything he does is fantastic. The fact that he has a seizure every time he touches another person. Because he's got that, like, dead zone thing. Yeah, yeah. uh, Sees how they die or what happens to them later. Matthew Lillard... He just rocks in this movie, dude. He's He's fantastic in everything. Like, think about the run he had. He had Hackers into Scream, into 13 Ghosts, into Scooby-Doo. That's fucking legendary. Yeah, and he was really good in that uh, re-adaptation of The Bridge, uh, that Scandinavian crime novel that they did as an American series. He played a journalist who was investigating all these uh, murders that were happening on the border between... 
America and Mexico. It, it, oh, it's... I haven't seen that. Yeah, I really it's like him. Good. He has like a small role in Twin Peaks season three. Yeah, he's fucking great in that as well, man. Where like that what interview got... scene where he talks about like his life being over, that is devastating. Yeah, yeah he uh if you haven't watched season three of Twin Peaks yet, that's your loss. But there is such an amazing bit in it where his head explodes and David Lynch just looks in the window and goes, I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, basically, oh, the plot unfolds from here as it's revealed that... Uh, I, I don't really know how complicit the lawyer is in all of this. Like, he seems, like, equally, like, knowing what's going on, but also just, like, a guy that's been hired to bring t- the, the Shaloub clan <laughs> to the house. If he knew what the deal was... He should have just got the signature and just let them go inside and just get in his car and get out of here. I don't understand why he's come to check out the house. Why did he have to get, like, a property signature on this if they were just planning to lock him in the house and kill him? (laughs) (laughs) You really blew it, dude. And uh, (laughs) in uh, um, incredible fashion, he is, of course, the first to be bumped off. He reminds me of the lawyer from Jurassic Park. I feel like uh, lawyers were not, like, everyone's favorite during this era, yeah maybe. I, I mean like the 90s and uh noughties is the beginning of super litigious culture where everyone was suing everybody and i feel like that was a trope that only started in like the late 80s this kind of uh anti-wall street anti-money making anti no i think i think you're definitely on to something there it has kind of been like fallen by the wayside a bit now as like people are trying to like make out lawyers as being these kind of these benevolent like creatures that are fighting for your rights like that's really like the trend now every second show on tv is about lawyers now like the post Aaron brockovich world maybe Uh, yeah absolutely i mean you know it's got the 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 altruist lawyer that's still a trope like you know to kill a mockingbird uh fucking the untouchables that are two things that really spring to mind oh 12 angry men uh, okay so we've kind of we've gone if anything we've gone back full circle to what it used to be well yeah because what happens after 12 angry men 13 ghosts baby. <laughs> oh we cracked it man this is a fucking sequel and a half so basically, yeah, <laughs> in the basement of this uh, of this house, this incredible glass house, which Tony Shalhoub gets an amazing one-liner. All right, everybody, no throwing stones. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> we get twelve ghosts. Now we're not going to go through all of the different ghosts. Uh, we might chuck a couple on the Instagram, but I don't know. There's twelve ghosts, man. Al, which ghost is your favorite ghost? Hmm, I did like the torso. There's this ghost yes. that's just called the torso. It is, as said, uh, the jackal was pretty cool. We didn't get and enough of the torso. I... I think we get one shot of the torso. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, no, I think it was just the torso and the 
the I really the, liked uh, the hammer, like the idea. Yeah, the hammer was being, cool. <laughs> having all those nails through you and this kind of this like beefed up kind of pinhead thing. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. And the design of these characters are super cool. And, and it's fantastic looking. Yeah. And they've all got these very elaborate backstories that are extrapolated on in like supplemental media like on the dvds we've really lost something in world yeah man by like losing dvd supplemental features yeah dude like they don't i don't even know if blu-rays have easter eggs anymore like that was so much fun when you'd find like an easter egg on a movie dvd you'd just be like here's a fucking four-hour documentary about how we made yoda and it's just like what how did you hide that and, I mean, like, all of the technology is there that, like, even if, like, you're streaming something on Disney+, Plus, wouldn't you want people to stick around on your streaming service? Like, well, I, I, I do know on Disney+, Plus for the Star Wars movies, they do have the supplemental features um, as a, a thing that you can watch. But I guess that kind of is why, maybe, like, streaming has most likely killed uh, the DVD Easter egg. Something that I think is coming next in streaming is that people, like, talk and make fun of the fact that Quibi was such a massive bust. But I think Mm -hmm. the only reason Quibi was such a massive bust is that it was marketed as an entirely new service that you had to pay for. Mm -hmm. If they had 10 to 15 minute shows on Netflix or a service you already paid for, they would be a massive success. And I think we are yeah. going to see shorter content much quicker again. Yeah, I look, I'm fine with movies heading towards the uh, Matt Brady standard. Like, the the 90-minute mark is uh, the perfect time for a movie. The gold standard. It's either, it's either 90 minutes or three hours. They're the two options. <laughs> so, the two kids, uh, Shannon Elizabeth and the little tyke, kind of... Uh, moved around a bit through this like bizarre maze there's like a great scene where they're like we should split up to find them and Matthew Lillard's like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) (laughs) why would we split up (laughs) I do like that as elaborate and amazing this house is it's in no ways a mansion and you never feel like you're more than say like 12 meters from the front door at any point no matter how many times they tilt shift the lens or shoot the same hallway from another perspective like i've done more steps walking around my apartment while i'm hungover than they have in this whole movie well that's it i thought it was going to be like cube and you know how with cube they just use the same uh cube over and over to pretend it was different cubes i was reading that they actually I, I was reading they actually built like this to scale and it was like a proper house sized thing yeah it's crazy and yeah it's the the way that it was shot like it it really is just all clear glass everywhere the whole cast had to wear black at all times a because it was a new metal movie and that's how we roll baby <laughs> and b because they couldn't have reflections off anything if like because they were just shooting in a, in a glass house the whole time that's annoying no that's not annoying. I, I didn't make the movie who gives a shit but um... racing along we get maria turns up to save the day as shannon elizabeth is attacked by the jackal probably the scariest of the ghosts uh, she was in the cold open along with cyrus and 
and Dennis as she's this like intrepid ghost hunter who tells them about the Arcanum, which is this 15th century book that tells about tells them about how there is a uh, 12 different ghosts and they're if you capture all of them in this house that's built like a a giant machine you will be able to open the gateway to hell makes sense to me yeah like what he's actually planning to do once he gets the gateway to hell and the fact that i don't know f murray abraham's already dead so what was the point (laughs) of all of this Uh, is he trying to like bring himself back to life here like, well, I didn't. I, I. This is what I didn't understand. Like, was his death faked, or is he a ghost? Yeah, because there is a, a plot point in this that we we talked a little bit about at the start of the film with the the glasses gimmick. Throughout this film, all of the characters are wearing these fancy little spe- Oakleys, like wrap around speed dealer sunnies, that will only reveal the ghost to you if you're wearing them. And mm. so I think, yeah, like, does it? I, I can't remember. Is F. Murray Abraham a ghost or not? I think he's still alive. Like, as I said, this was like the one thing of the movie that really, really confused me. Because, <laughs> yeah, the dude, I, doesn't he fall? Because, like, spoiler alert, he once again falls into some kind of rotary blade and gets fucking hacked to pieces. I, and doesn't he make out with Natasha or whatever the lady's called? Maria, he does, yeah, and I think she, yeah, like, she's like, I've done everything you asked for. Basically, the the titular 13 ghost is that the fourth ghost in particular is actually the bereaved widow, who is Mm, uh, Tony Shalhoub's wife that died in the fire in the cold open. And the 13th ghost will only open the door to hell if he sacrifices himself for love. The idea of, like, I, I, I feel like I, I can't ever imagine the idea of Tony Shalhoub having sex or, like, being <laughs> in love. Like, he is, like, and it's, like, I think it's, if I hadn't seen Monk, maybe I'd feel differently, but he is an insanely, like, asexual man to me. Yeah, totally. He's, he's kind of like Bruce Springsteen, where it's just like, uh, I know you're a human being and probably have sex, but, like... That's weird to me. I can't even think about that. Um, I never even thought about Bruce Springsteen. Oh, dude. I read his bio, and literally one of the first things he talks about is, like, his first boner, and I just remember being like, okay, that's... (laughs) (laughs) I guess, also, this plot point with Tony Shalhoub needing to sacrifice himself to open the gates of hell. Like, if I was his character, I'd just be like, wait, so you're saying if I kill myself out of love you're just gonna open the gates to hell i mean that sounds pretty bad as a whole <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's like but you'll let my children go but a i'll be dead and uh the gates of b, hell will be open <laughs> the gates of hell will be open and c they will be immediately next to the gate of hell as it opens <laughs> like maybe like three or four feet away from <laughs> this doesn't seem like a good deal uh he somehow manages to not open the gates of hell but also save his children like there's a big whirly dirly birdie matthew lillard is uh just killed uh maria the evil ghost hunter is squished by a plate of glass 
uh, all of the ghosts are unleashed into Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> Probably to go to a Tim Hortons, something like that. And oh. the movie wraps up really nicely and succinctly with a rap song by Raw Digger. Yeah. Oh, that rule. Like, one of my favorite things ever is uh, rap Smash songs at the end of a credit. rap song. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It really made Deep Blue Sea for me. And it made this film as well. Deep Blue Sea at least had something to do with the film itself but raw digger's song in this like it has nothing to do with ghosts she has a great line about how if she won 50 grand she'd go straight to toys r us not gucci <laughs> yeah dude that's the spirit you gotta go ball out at toys r us <laughs> let's talk production baby like <laughs> So, Al, did you know that this is the first theatrically released U.S. production to feature three leads of Arab-American descent? I didn't, but congratulations to this film for being that. Yeah, congratulations to this film. F. Murray Abraham, (laughs) Shannon Elizabeth, and Tony Shalhoub, for those who had that on their bingo card at home. So, we talked a little bit about this film... (laughs) Sorry, I was just imagining a, a lineage fucking bingo card. <laughs> yeah, I oh, bet wow. you've got a lineage bingo card in your fucking white nationalist brochure, you motherfucker. 13 ghosts, 14 words. <laughs> uh, sorry, production? Production. This film is directed by Steve Beck. He was a production designer and uh, special effects guy that worked on James Cameron Productions and on the original Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, He would only direct one other film after this, and that would be Ghost Ship, which is a terrible shame because, like, for the faults of both of those films, both of them look and feel incredible, don't totally. they? Totally, and all the fucking gore in those movies are pretty tight as well. Like, the dude yeah. getting split in half... We did fail to mention this, the lawyer getting split, like, straight through the middle, uh, vertically, uh, and you can see all of his brain and goo and everything hanging out. That was, like, pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we'll put that on the Instagram, because that is right up there with the... Uh, the incredible like dance sequence in yeah, Ghost Ship totally. and the laser hallway in Resident Evil, all yeah, released within sure. several months of each other, and all phenomenal death sequences in it. Oh, and Blade Two, it's got the oh, same. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, man, good movies. I'm glad we uh, have reviewed them all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, along for the ride on this, the special effects themselves are by lauded special effects company KNFBFX, which Howard Berger was the um, special effects designer on this, who would later go on to be Academy Award nominated for his work on Chronicles of Narnia. But his two trusted sidekicks on this were Greg Nicotero and Robert Kurtzman. Who would later go on to be Walking the creators? Dead, right? Yeah, the creators and executive producers of the Walking Dead franchise. What else did Greg Nicotero do? That's also pretty good. Uh the Creep Show reboot, the right. TV series. That's right. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. yeah so cool. their work is phenomenal. Like the special effects in this film, not only do they look good, but they've got personality to them. Like each mm. ghost has got like a, a genuine like 
feel that makes them different from the other one. I know we've mentioned it before, but the production design in this movie makes it just entirely worth watching. It's uh, it's neat. The production design itself, on top of the visual effects, is by a man by the name of Sean Hargraves, who'd been uh, kind of slumming it a little as an illustrator throughout the 90s. And slumming it's probably the wrong word, because his like storyboard work is all over things like Spawn, Heat, like some amazing titles. This would be his first work as a production designer, and he really hits it out of the park like straight away. And if this film like feels like it has a certain like look to it that feels a lot more modern than mm. uh, say a lot of the new metal films of its ilk, it, it's probably because of Sean Hargraves, because from Thor Ragnarok onwards, he is the chief visual designer of Marvel films. Oh, wow, that's cool. He also did all of the work for the uh, Star Trek reboots, the J.J. Abrams okay. ones. Wow, and okay. he's also the chief visual designer of the look for what I found out Showtime is making a Halo TV series next year. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> Starring Pablo Schreiber from season two of The Wire. <laughs> I um I got to talk to the guy who is the VFX director for um Amazon's Lord of the Rings show and all the shit he was telling me about, apparently it just sounds like such a fucking legal headache where they can only use like bits from the second age of Middle Earth. So like from the Silmarillion and all the supplemental J. J.R. Tolkien fucking, fucking books. <laughs> they can't do any of the characters from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> because Warner still owns the right to all that stuff, but not the right, not the cinematic rights to all the shit from the Silmarillion. I'm not a hobbit. <laughs> I'm just short. Yeah, <laughs> Don't yeah, shut exactly. down production. <laughs> uh, Amazon, thank you for being the most evil company and also churning out pretty average products on TV. I think they've spent something like half a billion dollars on this Lord of the Rings thing as well. Yeah, yeah. It's ludicrous the amount of money they're pumping in hoping that it'll work. Because they had that in production during maybe like the second or third season of Game of Thrones. But it's been such a legal nightmare that it's still not out yet. And Game of Thrones has been erased from people's memory because of how bad that final season was. Sure, I only saw the final season of Game of Thrones. That's all I've ever seen of it. And I, it, I the whole time was like, what is any of this stuff happening? <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. like you'd feel that way if you watched the last 10 minutes of anything, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joel Silver and Robert Zemeckis. Uh... I, I think that this, uh, the Dark Castle Productions team, like it was a, like a nifty idea. And, like, I like all of these films. Like, I like House on Haunted Hill. I love Lo House of Wax. I love Ghost Ship. Like, it's, uh, it was a cool, nifty little time and place, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Uh, have they done anything at all recently, or did they just disband as a... They, they it... disbanded. Like, it, it was really, like, flash in the pan for the new metal mm. era. Because Silver is Warner Brothers, and Zemeckis has always worked with Sony or something like that. It, it was like a cross... Uh, cross promotion yeah Joel Silver like we've covered a lot of his films for this second season of Take a Look mm. Around he really was like 
probably up there with Neil H. Moritz in terms of like the main proponents of the new metal look, the new metal vibe for films. Mm. He's just a big kid. You do it like this. So the soundtrack, it's just two tricky songs in that Rod Dickens song. <laughs> well, the soundtrack itself is by John Frizzell, who's a, a noted new metal composer for his work on Ghost Ship. But yeah, like the real standout <laughs> is that tricky song, Excess, which comes off his blowback album. It's tricky. Tricky is like an interesting character to me, Al. Like, mm. I'm sure you've got some tricky stories as well, but. The, like, uh, Blue Lines by Massive Attack, the only real Massive Attack album with his, like, cohesive input into it. I think they just used a couple of, like, leftovers for protection. But mm-hmm. his, his, like, that is the Massive Attack that I, I know and love. Like, that early yeah. stuff with Tricky. And his Max and Quay album with Martina Topley Bird is phenomenal yeah it's fantastic i think he even uses like reuses the lyrics for one of his songs from massive attack a massive attack song on the big single hell is what is it hell is in the corner where i shelter hell hell is around the corner that's it yeah man man tricky's great like he he's kind of like goldie in the sense where he's this great british musician that just through the 90s was doing crazy crazy avant-garde music deeply rooted in like uh british caribbean upbringing and you know this kind of post dub post drunk jungle and drum and bass kind of weird like tricky's fantastic he's i got a great story for you about that Mm. so off off the back of the success of blue lines the record company offered tricky like a solo album when they found out he was leaving massive attack and tricky enlisted an engineer who he was a fan of he the engineer had been the producer for his work on a a remix album for the cure and Mm. so upon arriving the engineer had found that tricky had planned nothing literally nothing yeah right outside of the fact that he knew how to write rhymes he actually didn't know how music was made it had Mm. all been handled by the other members of massive attack so Tricky just rocked up to the studio with maybe 60 kilos worth of records, would be playing two records at a time and asking the engineer like to like combine them to make a song. <laughs> he didn't know what pitch was. He didn't know what tempo was. That's awesome. I, I think that's what's kind of cool about that Bristol sound too, where it's just kind of uh, hip-hop kind of inspired by punk uh and you know it was that great kind of you know the the whole new york moment where punk and rap just kind of met in the middle yeah. and were kind of yeah Blondie's rapture baby yeah exactly or just like you know you could go to a show and you'd see like johnny rotten watching fucking the the fat boys or some kind of weird just crossover uh yeah, it, it, I, I, I don't think, think that's that ever it's... happened. I don't think no, so but you know what I mean. There was just that, that voice. <laughs> but there was just that weird transitory moment where, like, uh, you know, art school kids were moving from like punk and rock and stuff into like weird kind of hip hoppy stuff, uh, and I guess yeah. that's like you know the Wild Bunch, who later became Massive Attack, were like I think kind of like the Beastie Boys, like originally punk musicians who were just like, yeah, you know what. 
there's something to this hip hop stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oi, bruv, you heard hip hop? Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And you don't mm-hmm. stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> as incredible and like bizarre and primitive as Max and Quay is, uh, by the time 2001 rolled around and Tricky put out his blowback record, he'd become this like insanely like pristine manufactured like musician where blowback was really kind of it's an incredible record but people didn't know what to think of it at the time because it features like it's like stadium alt rock songs with features from alanis morissette i want to close out today's episode with tricky's single that he cut with ed kowalczyk from live evolution revolution love (laughs) (laughs) like it is just absolutely so at odds with the person he was like five or six years ago and but so like kind of of its time that it just made sense at the time it reminds me a little bit of what we talked about with all those like 90s and 80s um avant-garde and alternative musicians by the time something clicked when 9-11 happened or something where they're like damn i gotta buy a les paul i gotta pay off this house (laughs) the world is ending i gotta make pop songs he's great tricky rocks got any more thoughts on raw digger did we already cover that uh i mean like flip mode squad a legendary i don't think i've ever listened to a raw digger album or any song outside of this song that was in the end credits (laughs) i do think it's really funny that she gets a big and introducing raw digger tons of little like one-liners throughout the film and this is her single acting credit. She never does anything before or after. Hey, man, why not go out on top? That's what I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> the party's at the floor. School? The party's at the floor. School! You know what? 13 Ghosts. I'm going to give this probably three, man. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think just the production design itself really did a lot of the heavy lifting and oh yeah there's there's little to no plot going on in this yeah and and one extra star just because matthew lillard is so much fun in this to watch like he is just a fucking kook just swinging for the fences with his eccentric uh psychic epileptic character uh there's like just some real kind of fantastic graceful body movement he does where you know he's clumsy and kind of schmucky and it's very slapstick his physical kind of uh it's his performance is very slapstick but it never feels it's a trial run for shaggy he totally shaggy like a year after this and it's it's phenomenal yeah and it's not it doesn't feel forced either like it it is a, a pretty solid matthew lillard performance like he just is like the character itself you believe that he's just this fucking jittery weirdo who slips around and is clumsy and shit like he's just so much fun in this movie uh i think you know i i remember watching this pretty recently with a friend of the show dita smith we watched the cell and this in one go and i remember we got halfway through 13 ghosts and we were just like i'm not feeling it but i don't know this really kind of popped when i watched it today like i really I really dug it. I thought it was kind of... If you're going to check out a movie that we suggest, I, I would 
say maybe put 13 ghosts on the list like it, i think it's time pretty... has been kind to this film it really has mm, been. absolutely what about you sean i'm gonna i'm gonna go agree with you i'm gonna go uh no actually i'm gonna go three and a half stars three yeah, stars okay. for the production design and a half star for the torso's head just kind of oh <laughs> uh, what am i talking about stars i'm talking about bodies baby where am i getting stars from you guys oh, are the real did stars I say, the did listeners. i say stars as well <laughs> I think, yeah i'm gonna blame it on you oh no <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, three bodies three and a half bodies 13 ghosts uh, um, we gotta assign this film a pf score after Sean and I found out the Durst computer had become sentient, it had given us a hot new algorithm to judge how new metal a movie is. This algorithm uses our painted Bodies Hit the Floor score and times it by our trademark Fred Durst score. Once we have received peer review, we can say that the PF sum, short for Peer Factory, is the most scientifically way to determine how new metal a movie is. So... This film has a PF score of 12 and a half. Because that's two is the divider. Not uh, even 13. Uh, 12 and a half? No, I don't think so. Cause it was, Damn it, uh, we were nearly up to 13. <laughs> that would have been perfect. Oh, oh well, no. it's almost as if this gag has long outstayed its welcome and doesn't have an end in sight. <laughs> Look, as soon as we publish that paper, we can ditch it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> How delightful. How delightful? This film, man. It's a delight. <laughs> How delightful? The film's poster and DVD cover. You would have walked past it a million times in the video stores, like, in mm. the years after this film. Like, it's truly iconic, that Shannon Elizabeth's face, like, cut up into all of the little digital images of the ghosts. Like it, it's it's a work of advertising genius. Like it, it, it yeah. it's incredible. It's a very to look cool at. movie. Yeah. Uh and I can feel all of our listeners. Their like fingernails are like tightly gripping into whatever they're sitting in. Like, or maybe even their own arm if they're on the go, on the move, because they've realized that we've come to the end of this episode, and what that means is we are going to finish out with. Evolution, Revolution, Love by Tricky and Lies Edgar Wowjack. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. Take it to the mic This revolution